The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have such an amazing episode for you today. This was one of my favorite conversations that I have had recently. And I know that I say that about every episode, but I really, really connected with my guest and everything that she had to share. And I just think it is so fascinating because we are talking about optimism and practical optimism, which you will learn about in this episode. But my guest, Dr. Sue Varma, had so many studies and data to back up these concepts that we were talking about. So we are talking about optimism and we're talking about our emotional immune system and how to boost our mood and decrease anxiety and boost resiliency. But she shares these incredible studies where you know they show how optimism helps with wound healing, how it is beneficial for stress and anti-aging and really, really compelling data. And I know that you guys really like the science, so you're going to love this episode. So a little bit about my guest, Dr. Sue Varma is a board-certified psychiatrist in private practice and a clinical assistant professor of psychiatry at New York University. She is a distinguished fellow of the American Psychiatric Association. Dr. Varma was the first medical director and attending psychiatrist to the World Trade Center Mental Health Program at NYU, treating civilians and first responders in the aftermath of 9-11. She's also a nationally acclaimed keynote speaker, medical contributor, media advisor, and consultant to the major networks and shows. She regularly appears on the Today Show, Nightly News, CBS Morning, Good Morning America, and is frequently interviewed by Time, Washington Post, NPR, and beyond. Also, Dr. Varma is the recipient of numerous prestigious awards for her groundbreaking efforts in mental health education and advocacy. And she has a new book, Practical Optimism, which again, we talk about in this episode. And basically this equips you with the evidence-based tools and techniques to help you reach your career, your financial, your fitness, your personal and relationship goals more quickly and sustain momentum toward your future goals wherever you are on your life path. So we are delving into all of that. We are talking about absorbing negative thoughts in the body, how to identify triggers, how to have more self-compassion, how to have more acceptance. Again, like I mentioned earlier, the emotional immune system, which I found to be so fascinating. We talk about how people can experience the same traumas and react in different ways. We talk the eight pillars of optimism and so much more. It's such a fascinating episode. So please enjoy my guest, Dr. Sue Varma. Welcome, Sue. Thank you. So great to meet you. Really excited to talk to you. We were just talking a little bit actually before we started recording because in preparation for the interview, I've been listening to other interviews of yours and kind of learning about your work. And I told you that I noticed that there were a lot of parallels, it seemed to me at least, between recovery and a lot of the work that you do. And it turns out (laughs) that that's not a coincidence. So maybe to start, we can talk about 
you know, a little bit about what you do, of course, and also why you got into psychiatry. Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me and thank you for watching the videos. Sometimes when I put them out, I'm like, is anyone even looking at any of these? So thank you. You know, I was influenced at a young age to be a psychiatrist. I would go with my dad to the hospital and he was working with folks in recovery. And I was so struck by the level of self-awareness and humility and spirituality that many of these folks would have. And they would come up to my dad and they would be like, you know, you changed my life. Like, because of you. And then I have a job or X, Y, and Z. And I knew that they were always being so gracious because I knew I could see how hard it was because a lot of people struggled and they sometimes weren't able to maintain sobriety, but then they would just get right back on it. And I became interested in addiction and just in mental health and would go with him to meetings and 12-step meetings. And my dad would always have books on recovery, the 12-step, the Hazelden series, a book called The Daily Meditation for Women. I still have it. It is Mm -hmm. so old. It is falling (laughs) apart. But they were 365, like, just beautiful quotes and passages. And all of it was just about, like, acceptance of your failures or imperfections, but also really courage and empowerment to change and to heal. And that was just so beautiful. And the first step is just, you know, admitting that you're powerless over something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we can't change anything in our lives if we don't have that acceptance and that self-awareness. And that is a starting point. And I feel like that's something that came maybe a little bit easier for me because I also grew up in an Eastern household where acceptance is a big part because people didn't really have a lot of control over their environment. And then I contended with the Western part, which is, you know, go, 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 do, do, do. And you can do anything, but sometimes we can't. And so that duality has always stayed with me and intrigued me. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is such a misconception about sobriety, recovery in general, and that it's simply about how not to drink and how not to use. And I always say, no, it's about how to live and not only just how to live, but how to live life on life's terms. And when I was deep diving through your work, a lot of what you talked about was kind of resiliency and this ability to, you know, be flexible and accept and all of that because life gets lifey. Like, yes, I always say that. <laughs> Sometimes people ask, how are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Life is lifing right now. Like it just is. Totally. But we're so resistant to anything, you know, deviates from how we think we should be yes. feeling and, and what should be happening. And I know that so many people have an issue with acceptance, and I'm sure you can speak to this because they feel like it's just relinquishing control. Absolutely. And and that there's some perception of weakness, right? right. Like if you're like, I just have to accept it, like what, I'm going to become like a lazy bum and I'm just mm-hmm. going to sit on the couch. And I want to say, absolutely not. Like acceptance is one of the key steps in self-compassion. Like when we think of self-compassion and people are like, what is that? And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not woo-woo. There's a lot mm-hmm. of data like in parents who are struggling to raise kids who are having problems, whether it's moms who are beating themselves up, whether it's someone who had a setback at work or failed an exam, self-compassion says, first of all, be mindful of these negative thoughts that you're berating yourself, accept that they exist. And then also embrace this idea of common humanity is that we all struggle. And what self-compassion does is it gives you a road forward. It doesn't help you wallow in your self-pity and your shame. And studies show that people who experience a lot of shame are more prone to depression and in some severe cases, even suicide. On the other hand, self-compassion says, all right, you messed up. It's totally cool. We all do it. Now what? And the resilience comes in the now what part of giving yourself an action plan to sit, wallow, cry, talk, vent, journal, do all of that. 
And then when you're ready, create an action plan. And that's really what a lot of the, the literature on addiction and recovery taught me is to be kind to yourself. And mm-hmm. I learned that and that was so beautiful and not something talked enough about in, in traditional Western medicine and psychiatry. Mm-hmm. How can people cultivate that self-compassion? Because I know that whenever I do Q&As for solo episodes or anything like that on Instagram, so many of the messages that people send in are how to overcome negative self talk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's so easy to be compassionate with other people Mm -hmm. and so hard to be compassionate with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I never know like what advice to give people, you Mm -hmm. know, for how to be nicer to yourself. Yes. And, you know, I learned this, unfortunately, the hard way. And when I was a resident in psychiatry training, we were all encouraged to go to our own therapy. And I was working a hundred hours a week and I'm like traveling between four to five different hospitals all over the city. And I was like, I just don't have time for this. This is a luxury. It's very expensive. How and when would I fit this in? And I always say like, if you don't take care of your wellness, it will become your illness. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. My mom was in the midst of getting diagnosed for stage three breast cancer and she couldn't get chemo because of underlying heart disease. And I started having symptoms because I was like, I'm running around helping my patients. I'm running around trying to help my mom. And, and I can't manage it all, but I couldn't ask for help. And I started berating myself. And then it came out in the form of physical symptoms, like weakness, mm. headaches. And so I then became a therapist ready for my own therapy. And when I went, it was cognitive behavioral therapy. And I just, I always say like, is it a coincidence or is it synchronicity? What's going on? Because in the midst of my experience, uh, someone came to give us a lecture on CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I was like, this is amazing. Actionable change, skills. I can, I can actually do something. I'm not just going to wallow in this. So that is now the therapy that I practice with my patients. And we talk about cognitive distortions. So the key when, when you're feeling something, having something negative, I write about this in my book, Practical Optimism, is name it, claim it, tame it, and reframe it. Hmm. And what I mean by that is like, let's say you applied for a job and you didn't get the promotion at your current job and you don't understand why, but suddenly you're like, I don't know, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm going to the bathroom a lot. I'm having headaches. And so I would say, this is a sign of like, you know, the body expressing what the mind cannot. And you're probably absorbing a lot of negative thoughts about yourself. So I want you to like figure out the trigger. And the trigger is, the the better you can point, the more granular you are with the incidents that led up to this like emotional breakdown, if you will, Mm -hmm. or expression, the better off you are. And so write it in a journal. Like I didn't get the promotion that I tried so hard that I've been working for, or I got a bad review or like fill in the blank with whatever life's disappointments or grievances. And then claim it. Where in the body are you feeling it? You know, because we're often physical, having physical manifestations. Mm -hmm. Are you tight in the shoulders? Are you clenching your fists? Are you clenching your jaw? Are you having a headache? And then tame it. And this can really be any number of techniques that we use. One of them is something called progressive muscle relaxation, where you're closing your eyes and you're clenching muscle group by muscle group and then releasing it. So you're clenching your fists, you're tightening your shoulders and then releasing. And what I this, love doing that. Have you done that? Do you do yeah, my therapist wants me to. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Uh, and so then you, you feel the tension and then you feel the relaxation. Mm-hmm. And while that's not going to get at the negative thoughts, it gives you another modality in which to express yourself. Walking Mm -hmm. shuts down rumination because of optic flow. This idea that like you have to look left and right, left and right, especially in New York City when you're here. Uh (laughs) So you're not going to get hit by a car. But that 
takes you out of your rumination because the default mode network in the brain mm-hmm. is what happens, gets activated when we're obsessing over something. Mm-hmm. And then the reframing is the best part of it. And this is my favorite. As someone who used to work with trauma survivors, I've learned that if you can ask yourself, what would I tell myself or how am I going to feel about this five years from now? Is this going to matter? What would I tell a friend? And to your point that we're more compassionate with our friends than we are with ourselves. Mm-hmm. What's the cost benefit of me thinking this way? And then separating productive worry from unproductive worry. So the unproductive worry is your wheels spinning in the mud, no formal action. You're not accelerating. Mm-hmm. And productive worry is what, what actionable items can I take from this? Mm-hmm. So there's so many ways and there's a list in, of cognitive distortions like in a lot of CBT books and in my book about what you can do. What are the common distortions? Catastrophizing, fortune telling, mind reading, jumping to conclusions, minimizing. <laughs> You're saying, yeah, you've been there, right? Sound familiar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, a, then there's like a list of techniques that a person can do to reframe those negative thoughts or to challenge them. And, you know, mm-hmm. look, there's not, it's not always going to work for everyone because in the midst of the acuity, you're like, F this, like, I can't, I'm in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. Take a break, take a nap, cry. Mm-hmm. Crying always helps me relieve mm-hmm. my, my tension. Mm-hmm. And I wish I could cry more because then I'd feel like more, I always feel relieved if and when I do. Yeah, God, there's so much there. First of all, the walking thing. I remember I had Dr. Samantha Boardman on, I don't know if you know her, years ago. And I remembered she was talking about walking, disrupting rumination, but I never knew why. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of something else. I went through a kind of brief phase where I was like so afraid of flying suddenly out of nowhere. And I overcame it. But something that somebody said to do was to pass something back and forth between your hands and just follow it with your eyes. And I never really got an explanation, but it actually worked. (laughs) And I wonder if it's a similar mechanism. Yes. Yes, probably. And like the whole idea of like EMDR Mm -hmm. came from that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The idea of optic flow. Uh And really, it's kind of like rewriting the script in some ways through some form of distraction that Mm -hmm. takes you out of your mind. And a big Mm -hmm. one for me is always this concept of awe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, wherever you feel small in this world, and I don't mean small as in like insecure and insignificant and like a loser. I mean, small as in like just part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. And living in LA, you probably have plenty of opportunity for mm-hmm. mountain hikes and all of that. So whether it's the ocean, for me, it's swimming in the ocean or a museum, architecture or nature, like being in the forest, even sitting by a park bench, like they, they found that people who can sit in nature two hours a week, it doesn't sit or walk or what, hike, whatever doesn't have to be continuous. It can mean 20 minute increments. And it can even be a city park bench, Mm. have less anxiety, less depression, lower Mm -hmm. heart rate, lower blood pressure. So I feel like there's multitude of techniques that are within our grasp that are so easy to do that Mm -hmm. can boost our mood and decrease anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the key one in recovery is calling somebody else and asking them about themselves and not talking about yourself. And usually somebody who's like newly in recovery because it you stop thinking about yourself. It's, you know, self-abandonment in Mm -hmm. some sense, which is what drugs and alcohol did too. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of gives you that perspective because you're ruminating about your problems and this, that, and the other. And and then you talk to somebody who's, you know, nine days sober (laughs) and you hear about what's going on with them. And suddenly, you know, your problems don't seem that bad. Yes, That's like my go-to. Yes, because you're helping, right? And then that sense of purpose, like we know this hands down that like even when adolescents are volunteering, let's say with like little kids to helping Mm -hmm. them do their homework, they have less inflammation in the body and less heart disease later on in life. And people Mm -hmm. who volunteer have a greater sense of purpose. They also Mm -hmm. like live longer and all these benefits. So it takes you out of your own head Mm -hmm. and then you feel useful. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. 
for sure. And I mean, I could go off in a whole tangent about recovery, which I will try to refrain from doing in this episode. But, you know, all of those things, purpose, feeling useful, those were not feelings that I had prior to getting sober. And I think in some sense that really fueled the addiction because I know for myself, I was trying to fill some kind of void that I wasn't able to fill. So, but I was trying with drugs and alcohol. And then when I got sober, that void was filled with feeling useful, even if it's just to somebody else who's struggling, you know, Mm -hmm. and feeling like, okay, this is my purpose. Like regardless of my career, regardless of whatever else is going on in my life, I have this purpose where like, I know that I can talk to somebody else who's struggling and tell them I've been there and like, how can I help? Amazing. Um, That's so amazing. I mean, your journey is so amazing. And I think you so much credit to you because it's not easy. Yeah. Thank you. You guys know that when it comes to skincare, I am a big believer in formulations that have been rigorously clinically tested, approved by dermatologists, and endorsed by experts. And of course, they have to be effective. So the Swiss cellular longevity brand Timeline checks all of those boxes, and they just released a new skincare line that supports your skin health and longevity while giving you that youthful look, which is what we all want, of course. So I have to tell you about their night cream. I have issues with dryness in the winter, despite all the other products that I use. I've been traveling the last few weeks, and no matter what I did, I could not get my skin to look dewy and plump and hydrated like we all want. So the night cream absolutely changed the game for me. When I started using this, I noticed that my skin was just so plump, so hydrated. And the secret weapon here is called Mitopure. It's the first and only bioactive clinically proven to renew your cell's energy supply to help your skin fight against both intrinsic and extrinsic aging factors. So in practice, that means it helps to reduce skin thinning and loss of elasticity as it supports the processes inside the skin cells that power up collagen assembly and formation in just 72 hours. It's also clinically proven to protect skin against photo damage by reducing inflammation caused by UVBs by 15%. And yes, it is also clinically proven to dramatically reduce the appearance of wrinkles as early as two weeks of use. And you guys know I am on a break with Botox since this past summer, and I need to find products that really do help with fine lines and wrinkles. And this absolutely does. They have an amazing serum. They have the night cream, like I said, and the day cream, which contain minimum 84% natural ingredients, no added fragrance or dye, and they have great scores on safety rating apps as well. So I have seen a real difference in my skin and I know I am investing in its health. If you want to try it for yourself, Timeline Nutrition is offering my community 10% off the Timeline Skin Health line at timelinenutrition.com slash blonde. That's T-I-M-E-L-I-N-E-N-U-T-R-I-T-I-O-N.com slash blonde and use the code blonde. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru. And you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our damn goods episodes where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. When it comes to eating healthy, I know that for a lot of people, including myself, 
It can be easy to focus on your meals, so breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But where I used to go off the rails was with my snacking. I would constantly be reaching for a really sugary protein bar or a really sugary smoothie, or I would just be so starving that I would eat anything and have a bunch of chips or something that really wasn't going to satiate my hunger and do anything for my health. I do want to say, of course, I still have those things, but I really started focusing on protein, especially for my snacks. And you guys know doing this made such a huge difference. So from weight management to a better metabolism to hormone regulation, bone health, the benefits of a high protein diet are abundant, but most of us aren't getting enough protein in our diets as is. So enter Chomps. Chomps are delicious meat sticks. They have zero sugar, up to 12 grams of protein and chompable flavors. My favorite is turkey. So you can take bigger, bolder and better bites every time. Chomps are simply made with natural ingredients that you can feel good about. They're filled with the highest quality, sustainably sourced, 100% grass-fed meat so you can feel good about what you're snacking on. Chomps come in nine delicious, bold flavors. So there is a healthy snack option for everyone, or you can grab a variety pack to satisfy your whole family's taste buds. I first started eating chomps because Harley has them at his gym. And again, I used to grab a protein bar and I would feel satiated for maybe a half an hour or an hour, and then I would crash and be starving. With chomps, I feel full, I feel satisfied, and I don't get that blood sugar crash that I used to get. So I just feel like everything from my appetite to my energy is all just way more even. So right now, Chomps is offering my listeners 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash blonde. Again, go to chomps.com slash blonde to see all the delicious flavors and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash blonde. Don't forget to use my link so they know I sent you. Well, you were talking a little bit about trauma. And I know that when you first started out, you were working with people who had been affected by 9-11, right? Yes. So can you talk about that a little bit and how people differed in their response to that? Because, you know, so many people had this kind of universal experience, yes. you know, some different variables, but some people I feel like would be completely, you know, flatlined by that. Whereas mm-hmm. other people were able to kind of brush themselves off and move on. So yes. can you talk about why we react differently to yes. similar traumas? Yes. So, you know, there are so many factors sometimes that are beyond our control, like past history of psychiatric illness, like in yourself, in your family past history of trauma, how medically injured you were. So people who had more injuries, physical and more like wounds that they had to recover from, it was harder and they were more likely to get post-traumatic stress disorder or anxiety or depression if you lost a loved one that day. So all of these things, depending on what the problems that you had come into the situation with or how deeply devastated and how deeply affected you were. So we know that like after Hurricane Katrina, if you lost your home, if you lost your finances. So loss of limb, life, finances, all of that makes it that much harder for recovery. But that doesn't mean that there's there's not hope, right? It just means that you might be more predisposed for any number of reasons to have more problems. But what I found interestingly was and how I got in, interested in the idea of optimism was actually through resilience because I was like, what is it about some of these folks that helps them be so resilient? They would come in for screening 
So if you were living downtown or you were working downtown or in somehow your life was impacted, you could come to the program and be monitored. And everyone got physical health screenings. Everyone got mental health screenings. But if you didn't screen positive for anxiety, depression, substance, post-traumatic stress disorder, you would never be part of our clinic. We would never see you again unless a doctor said, you know, a doctor in another area like internal medicine, like they, we were all in the same hallway, the allergist, the, you know, the sinus doctor, the allergy doctor, everybody with GI. And so I would follow these people that didn't come into my program, but I would see them in the hallways. And there was one woman in particular that I'll never forget. And she was in her like 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And she was always smiling and she was there like almost every day. And I was like, what's going on? You don't have an appointment. What are you doing here? And she's like, oh no, like, and I would practice my Spanish. And she's like, no, I'm here to accompany so-and-so to their meet their appointments. And later on, I realized that her sense of purpose, and that's what she said to me, mi propósito. Mm. And I was like, I was like, because what keeps you smiling? And she's like, my purpose, my purpose is to help. Because a lot of times people were, after the trauma, couldn't take subways or buses by themselves. Right. They had agoraphobia, they had panic disorder, and they would need someone to accompany them. And they would avoid coming to the city at all costs if they lived outside. So I realized this woman was kept afloat because she wasn't focusing on herself and she was giving back to the community. And mm -hmm. altruism is a huge part of resilience. And so is optimism. And so then I was like, oh my God, like there are things that we can do to make us more buoyant. And I was like, but for so many years, I thought optimism was something just like resilience that you're either born with or not. And if you're not, then you're kind of screwed. And then I, I learned like, oh my God, I was wrong. Like there are things you can do to boost both. Mm -hmm. And the statistic is 25% of it is genetic. Yes. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. So, you know, like some of us naturally have a tendency to see the glass half, half full mm -hmm. and some of us see it half empty. And mm -hmm we always just thought if you, you're either one way or the other. And then some years later, I learned that researchers had found that there were genes associated with optimism. It's called the oxytocin receptor gene. And oxytocin is responsible for the cuddle hormone bonding between mother and baby, friends, during sex and orgasm. And that depending on which variation of the gene you had, you were going to be either optimistic and less likely to have depression or pessimistic and more likely. And what they found is, like, I was like, okay, cool. So there's a genetic component, but the genetics is only 25%. So what about the 75%? And then I learned that that 75% that is like learnable and based on your psychological resources, your ability to cope, like coping skills, asking for social support. So I was like, oh my God, you can turn yourself into an optimist mm -hmm. by doing things that optimists do. And mm -hmm. so like from that point on, my focus shifted to not just treating illness, but preventing it by boosting, helping people boost their own levels of optimism. Mm -hmm. Why don't we define optimism? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like optimism kind of gets a bad rap sometimes where yes. people think that it's, you know, just, what's the word I'm looking for? Woo -woo. Uh, toxic positivity? No, toxic positivity. Yes. yes, totally. Yeah. So toxic positivity is telling someone like, everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. Just look on the bright side without actually understanding and appreciating what they have been through. And it's invalidating. And you're, you're, you're shutting down conversation rather than inviting it. Optimism and specifically practical optimism says, I see you, I hear you, I understand what you've been through, and I'm so sorry. And it just sits with you for a minute. And it says, now let's begin, right? And it says that it's not just 
practical optimism is not just a positive outlook. It gives you the skills to turn a positive outlook into a positive outcome Hmm. because it's an action set, a skill set, a tool set, in addition to a mindset. Mm -hmm. So it says, great, you look at the glass half full. That's nice. A lot of people do. And guess what? It doesn't always land them in the best place because if you're an extreme optimist, a toxic optimist, you'll be like, everything will be fine. I don't need to go to a medical checkup. It's all good. It'll work out. Like mm. how many of us have relatives who never see their annual physician for screenings, colonoscopies, mammograms, because they think everything will be fine. Or mm-hmm. the doctor's like, hey, you got some issues with diabetes, cholesterol, maybe, you know, borderline heart disease, maybe. And the optimist is like, no, no, it's all good. I don't need your, I don't need your meds. I'll be fine. It'll mm-hmm. all work out. And that's called the ostrich effect. The ostrich effect is you're burying your head in the sand and you're just hoping things will disappear and naturally work themselves out. Mm -hmm. Practical optimists don't. They take the information and then they get themselves educated. They ask for help and then they follow through with treatment plans. Mm -hmm. And we know that optimists on average, optimists and practical optimists on average live 15, 20% longer and they enjoy what we call exceptional longevity. So not only are they living longer, but they're living longer in good health. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we're seeing in this country. Many of us, we're, we're, our lifespans are increasing, but our health span, the years spent in good health has actually stayed the same in the last three to four decades. Interesting. And what good is that to be the, spend the, the, the last 10, 15 years of your life yeah. dependent, immobile with dementia? Yeah. I've heard you talking about an emotional immune system. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what that is? Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> so I have not, you know, that was almost going to be the title of my book like oh. 15 years ago. I was uh-huh. like, oh, I want to write a book. And I took a class and a book proposal and nothing happened with it. But, but you know, to me, that's what, it's the buffer, right? Yeah. So just the way our skin is a protectant and a barrier, just the way, you know, the cilia in our nose and our white blood cells and all of this is like there to like catch any infection and prevent it from ruining us. Our ability to regulate our mood, regulate our emotions, our friendships, our tight-knit community, having mentorship, having bonds, all of these things like protect and buffer. So stress by itself, it has such a negative rap because we think of stress and we automatically think bad. Mm -hmm. And really it's not. There's two types of stress. Eustress, E-U stress, the word E-U and and then stress as one word, and then distress. And eustress is all the good stuff like you're planning a reunion with your family, you're planning a wedding, you're having a baby, things you wanted, you Mm -hmm. asked for, you worked for, but pile them on Mm -hmm. versus the distress is I've got too many things, even if they're all good, but I can't manage them or bad things or things you haven't chosen. Mm -hmm. So stress inherently is not good or bad. It depends on what you bring to the table and do you have the coping skills to manage what is being thrown at you. And that match between outside world demands and inner coping skills is what de- de- decides which way the scale will tip. Mm-hmm. And the, your, your emotional immune system regulates and puts you in the best possible position to handle what comes at you. And one part of that could be sleep. So if I only got, you know, four hours of sleep, I'm going to be a bitch the next day. Same. <laughs> I'm, I unravel like every area of my life. Totally. <laughs> Unravels. Yes. So, you know, something as simple as getting a good night's sleep, like for me, things that I am grappling with, like looking for solutions, looking for answers, they suddenly become clear the next morning, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. I become more creative and all of us 
So, you know, last night, like someone had asked me to participate in something and I was so excited. I said yes. And then mm-hmm. by the end at like one in the morning, I'm still up. <gasps> oh my God. I'm like, oh my God. Oh. I, I was like, I can't do it. I'm just going to say no tomorrow. And then this morning I woke up and I was like, I have a creative solution that'll be win-win where it allows me to help the person out and participate in a sort of meaningful way without mm-hmm. being, you know, great inconvenience mm-hmm. to myself. Oh my gosh. I just got anxiety at the 1 a.m. Because <laughs> I'm that same way. And you were saying like, if you get a good night's sleep, you wake up and suddenly everything is clear. Well, conversely, at least for me, if I don't get a good night's sleep, everything feels so magnified. Yes, yes. <laughs> if I'm tired. Yes, like, because the thing is, if you, you're like successful, high achieving person, and when you are, you want to be able to troubleshoot mm. and you want to find solutions and you're quick and you have this amazing business, like you need to move forward. You, mm-hmm. you can't afford to lose time. And when we're tired, our like decision fatigue is in full force. Yeah. And so you're like, I can't make, st- like, I don't know. I'm yeah. paralyzed. Yeah. And so it's okay. Like in those moments to be like, you know what, I'm going to regroup. I don't, I'm going to hit pause, like mm-hmm. not stop and then come back. And in, for some people, it may be more than just a, a lack of sleep, they may not be, it might be in the midst of a depression mm-hmm. and executive functioning is impacted, co- cognition, memory, concentration. So that's also challenging. I see sometimes like really smart people are like, I can't, I just can't. Mm-hmm. I can't life, lifing, lifey. Yeah, life is lifey. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. Well, we all go through our phases. Yes. Right. Yes. I know my listeners are really health conscious and focused on living a clean but balanced life, but something that is often overlooked are the products that we're using in our household. I know that a lot of us eat really clean, we work out, we live a healthy lifestyle, but then we're using all of these products that have harmful chemicals and hormone disruptors, and that can really detract from all of the effort that we put into our lifestyle otherwise. So I made the switch last year to Branch Basics, and I have to say, I noticed so much less skin irritation. I was getting these weird little patches of I don't know if it was eczema, but these kind of rashes around my arms and a little bit on my face. I was also having a lot of eye irritation and I switched to Branch Basics and all of that went away. So Branch Basics makes non-toxic, hypoallergenic, fragrance-free, hormone disruptor-free, harmful preservative-free, baby, kid, and pet-safe household products. And they're also cost-effective. So Branch Basics has their premium starter kit, which provides you with everything you need to replace all of your toxic cleaning products in your home. And they have a refill model. So once you run out, the only thing you need to repurchase is the concentrate and the oxygen boost. So if you are suffering from eczema, allergies, asthma, other health conditions, and you feel like you're doing everything right, make the switch to Branch Basics and see if that stuff does not clear up. So right now you can save 15% on your starter kit or their new hand soap when you use the code THEBLONDEFILES at branchbasics.com. Again, the code is THEBLONDEFILES. Make sure you include THE for 15% off when you purchase a starter kit or their new gel hand soap. People ask me all the time what my wellness non-negotiables are. I think especially because I have so many experts that have so many tips on the podcast, people assume that I 
do everything, which I really don't. I only have a few things that I absolutely must include in my wellness routine. And one of those that I started doing at the end of last year is my infrared sauna blanket. This is the biggest game changer and it's so convenient. I truly love it so much. And I'm so happy that I was able to get a code for you guys. And of course, it is my Bond Charge. So Bond Charge is a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products to optimize your life in every way. Founded on science and inspired by nature, all Bond Charge products adopt ancestral ways of living in our modern day world. They have an extensive range of premium wellness products that help you sleep better, perform better, have more energy, recover faster, balance hormones, reduce inflammation. The list is endless. So everything from blue light glasses to red light therapy to EMF management and circadian friendly lighting, Bond Charge products help you naturally address the issues of our modern day way of life effortlessly and with maximum impact. So that is exactly how I would describe the infrared sauna blanket. It's effortless and it has such a major impact. So it works by raising your heart rate to that of physical exercise. So it burns calories. While you relax, you can burn up to 600 calories in just one session. Of course, sweating helps flush out heavy metals and other toxins. And the infrared heat elevates your heart rate while when you're relaxing, it releases endorphins, which can leave you feeling euphoric after your session. The amazing thing about the infrared sauna blanket is that the infrared light heats the body directly rather than heating the air around you like a traditional sauna. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a traditional sauna, I have to get out of there and take some breaks and take some breaths of cool air. It can affect my eyes and really dry my eyes out. And it's just not the most enjoyable thing for me. Whereas my sauna blanket, I can put it on my bed or on the couch. I can multitask. I can watch TV. I can read, do whatever, be on my phone, work have my head out and it has the same benefits at a lower heat. So you get the same benefits at a lower heat. It's also super easy to clean up. I just wipe it down with a wet towel and that is it. So Bond Charge ships worldwide in rapid time. They offer free shipping in every sauna blanket. There's no hidden costs. They have easy returns and exchanges. You can have a 30-day trial and there is a 12-month warranty. So go to bondcharge.com slash blonde and use the coupon code blonde to save 15%. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com slash blonde and use the code blonde to save 15% off. Okay. So you have eight pillars, right? Mm -hmm. Of optimism. Maybe we can go through them. Yes. Because I think that will be helpful for the listener. I love that you're saying, you know, it's not just a mindset because I think that especially on social media, everything is change your mindset and mindset motivation. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, how do I change yes. my mindset? And then what? Yes. I like that you say that, no, it's a skill set. It's an action set. You know, you take it further. Yes. So what are these pillars and how can people implement them into their life to, you know, make them actionable. Yes. And the first thing I always like to say is just like, if you're in therapy, like, please continue if it's mm -hmm. helping, like this is not going to replace the mm -hmm. individualized care and treatment that a person will get in their own therapy, but it certainly can be used in conjunction. I like to use it as maintenance, prevention. And even if you're like, I'm doing totally fine, I've I think of this as helping you be your best self. Mm -hmm. So I start with purpose and these chapters are written or these eight principles, they start out with having a purpose as an intention and they end at their eight Ps and they end at practicing healthy habits. And so purpose is about intention and goal. 
And it can be big P as in capital P of life. What is my purpose in life? But it could Mm -hmm. be small purpose. What is my purpose in this relationship, in this moment, in this transaction, in this event? So getting very clear about what you're intending to do. And also recognizing that your purpose today may not be your purpose five years ago and may not be your purpose five years from now. The other thing is that your purpose doesn't have to be connected to your paycheck, right? So when you talk about like, you get so much benefit from mentoring other people and helping other people, that could be something you do to fulfill you. It may Mm -hmm. not be your day job, but if your day job also happens to have a paycheck and a purpose, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I say, if you have a hard time finding your purpose, it's your job to create it. Because some people will be like, I feel lost. Like, I don't know what I'm called to do. Mm -hmm. And then I say, put the cart before the horse. And it's a tip called behavioral activation from CBT that is used in people when they're depressed, when they're languishing, when they're like, I'm not not feeling motivation. It's okay. Cart before the horse, motivation will come. Because that's the beauty is that purpose begets more purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, and you're like listening to a podcast. You're like, oh my God. I am inspired now to go to a networking event, right? And Mm -hmm. so even if you don't feel like it, if you think that there will be benefit in it, right? Whether it's reaching out, I've made so many good friends and connections on Instagram. We met that way. Like, Mm -hmm. so I'm just so happy that we have access and we have resources and activity planning is a big tip, like to populate your calendar with Mm -hmm. meaningful activities that Mm -hmm. give you pleasure and give you joy. And if you're just really stuck, ask yourself one simple question. What activity brings you joy? And when's the last time that you did it? Because a lot of times people will say like, I don't feel connected. The other Mm -hmm. thing hack is exercise gives you a sense of purpose. So Mm -hmm. if you are lost and not feeling motivated, get up and go for a walk around the block if that's all you can do. And then if you want to go to the gym, you want to do weight training, great. All of that builds a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. And the next one is processing emotions. So this is where so much, so many of us stuff our emotions and you talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like how we cope in different ways and being able to access them and using them as information, right? Like separate emotions from facts. So many of us get into our head because there's something called emotional reasoning. Mm-hmm. I feel it, therefore it is. Yes. I feel like a loser. <laughs> I feel like no one likes me. I feel fat. I feel whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And ask yourself, simple question, what is the evidence to suggest this? Mm-hmm. And one thing I find an, an emotion that's really hard for a lot of women to experience and fully embrace is anger. And different people deal with anger differently. A lot of my patients will say, I, I cry. I don't get angry. That's what happens. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something I want women to sort of lean into that. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to say that a lot of times people will say, well, it's easy to be optimistic when everything is working out for you in your life, right? There's so many disparities, like there's so many unfair things. And I hear you. And I'm not saying you know, if you're in part of the world that doesn't give you an opportunity or that discriminates or racism or bias, like for sure, right? It's hard to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, but even still, I would say practical optimism is the way to go because it yeah. says, you know, to the, to the people who are being unfair with you, I see you, I know what you're doing, but I'm not, that's not going to stop me. Like I right. had people who didn't, never believed in me, who didn't think that, that I would amount to anything. And I'm like, I see you, but that's not going to stop me. Like mm-hmm. I have vision, I have mission, I have purpose. And when you have that behind you, especially when what you're doing is for the greater good of a community, a society, a person. I feel like you're, you're called by something so much higher than yourself, whatever you want that to be, if it's a higher power, if it's the universe, that no one can stop you, you mm-hmm. know? And there was a phrase that my parents would always say, you know, in moments of struggle in my life that they were like, don't worry, the universe will conspire to help you. Yes. So yeah, you know, I love that. <laughs> so it makes me feel like we're not alone, right? Yeah. Like, 
And it, the doors will open. People will be put in your place, conversations, opportunities. Of course, you have to do your part to make them available to you. Mm-hmm. So processing is all about self-awareness and mindfulness and un- sitting with feelings. Journaling is, is one way. There's so mm-hmm. much research on journaling, 15 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. It quickens wound healing after surgery. It Wow. Yes. <laughs> after a biopsy, people who journal more often, they heal faster. Less colds and infections and flus per year. Less heart attacks. So wow. it, it is like, I, like I went into so much science <laughs> in, in doing the research for this book. And even though I'm a clinician and have practiced for 20 years, I've gone to medical school and residency. I was like, I don't want any claim in this book to go without being cited and sourced. So mm-hmm. I like did all of this so that you don't have to struggle and suffer or do the research yourself. It's all there in the citations. I have them on my website as well. So the next one is problem solving. I want to rewind a little bit to that one. Yes. That one is so interesting to me. Do you think that, I mean, you did the research, so maybe you can speak to like how that is, but do you think that to some extent our thoughts become things, you know, you kind of hear that a lot and whatever we we think we are and we attach ourselves to those thoughts. And like you were saying earlier, we attach ourselves to the emotions that we're feeling and we interpret them as fact. Yes. When really, like I was thinking as you were talking about that, best thing about meditation for me is that I can now observe that. And when I started meditating, I realized like, oh, I am not these emotions and these feelings and these thoughts because it's a monkey mind in here. It's crazy, you know? Yes. (laughs) And so I learned how to like, let go and observe and not attach myself to those things. I'm kind of all over the place with no, this no, no. question, but yes. back to the journaling, how is it that that is so transformative and healing? Is it because we're getting that stuff out mm-hmm. of our head and therefore out of our bodies, essentially? Yes. yes. And, you know, when you're putting, like you're, you're parking it in the journal and I, and I can speak mm. so strongly about it, not only because of science, but because it has been so effective for me in my life. Like, when I'm caught up in a loop and when I see this with my patients, it's you're you're on that cycle and you can't get off. Like the mm-hmm. hamster on the wheel that's like, get me off of this. You're not even aware that you're yeah. on this hamster wheel. And it's almost like someone's got to knock you off, like fling you off that hamster wheel. And mm-hmm. the journal, the journaling gives you a place to park your emotions, to create distance, to create separation. And I think what this does in the bottom body is we know that long-term, like the fight and flight response is very effective when a bear is chasing you in the forest. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, like if you're not in acute danger and 90% of the time, we're not in acute danger, Mm -hmm. except our body perceives that we are being chased metaphorically by the bears of society. Those bears could be like competition, need to succeed, need to look a certain way, sound a certain way, need to have a certain bank account, whatever it might be. So the cortisol is wreaking havoc. It causes so much inflammation. And we know that when we look at people, if you want to, look younger. I mean, not just look younger, but actually like, and I know that you've had great conversations with mm-hmm. people <laughs> about your age and decreasing that. And, mm-hmm. But the best thing you can do, because we look at telomeres and, and these are like the caps on the chromosomes that this oxidative stress impacts us on a cellular level and it prematurely ages us. So if you want to look younger, feel younger, be younger, stress management is first and foremost. So you mm-hmm. can be in the gym a million hours a week and obviously watch what you eat and that will help you. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about longevity and lifespan and health span, it's specifically stress management and distress tolerance is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. Another reason why people in recovery look so young, (laughs) probably. (laughs) One, they're not drinking and doing drugs, but also, you know, have this modality to deal with 
stressors as they come and, you know, be flexible in life. And I think that's such a big thing. Like a lot of times we have to struggle and suffer to get to that rock bottom to then rebuild with Mm -hmm. a healthier, it's kind of like rebuilding a house. Let's say the house was, I hate to say this, cheaply made or poorly made Mm -hmm. or didn't have a great foundation. Depending on our childhood, depending on what our parents went through, how, how available they were, how nurturing and emotionally available, what skills they had, what emotional intelligence they had, how much nurturing they gave us, what their trauma and stress and intergenerationally what they brought. Most of us aren't going to be raised with having language and self-compassion and kindness. So it often does take a breakdown to have the breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And most of the patients that have come to me, when they left, I feel like I'm not privy to what their life was before, but when they come and they say, you know what, I want to go back to my baseline. I was like, let's think about that for a minute because your baseline is what got you here mm-hmm. in the first place. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to go back to that. <laughs> yeah. And so I tell them like, what I see my job is a co-conspirator in your life to, to be a part of your journey is to not just take you from dysfunctional to functional, it's to take you from functional to optimal. Mm-hmm. And that's more than they bargain for because most of the times when you see a doctor, they're like, okay, you have a broken arm, let's fix it. No one's yeah. like, oh, let's help you with your backhand. Yeah. They're like, that's not my job. Yeah. <laughs> go to your coach. <laughs> yeah. Go to your trainer. Yeah. Interesting. We are talking all about how to strengthen our emotional immune system, our emotional resiliency in this episode. So, how about strengthening our physical immune system and physical resiliency and basically everything in our body? There is this one product that I absolutely swear by for all of this. And That is Armra Colostrum. So I'm sure you guys have seen this all over social media. I have to admit, when I first tried it, I was skeptical because I had seen so many people promote it. And I thought there's no way that it could be as good as everybody said it was. And a few months in, I was absolutely hooked. This is a non-negotiable in my wellness routine. You're probably wondering, what is colostrum? Colostrum is the first nutrition that we receive in life. It contains all of the essential nutrients that our bodies need in order to thrive. And Armra Colostrum is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 living bioactive nutrients that rebuild the barriers of your body and fuel cellular health for a host of research-backed health benefits. So it strengthens immunity. It ignites metabolism. It's really amazing for inflammation. It fortifies gut health. It activates hair growth and skin radiance. It powers fitness performance and recovery. It has powerful anti-aging benefits. So it really does do it all. And Armra is premium bovine colostrum concentrate unlike any other product on the market. It's wholly natural, it's sustainable, and it was developed with the highest integrity from start to finish. So I know that a concern for a lot of people is how this colostrum is sourced. They source it from grass-fed cows from their co-op of dairy farms in the U.S., and they strictly source only from the surplus supply of colostrum after calves are fully fed. Also, unlike most colostrums, which use heat pasteurization that depletes nutrient potency, Armra leverages their proprietary cold chain biopotent technology. It's an innovative process that purifies and preserves the integrity of hundreds of bioactive nutrients while removing the casein and fat to guarantee the highest potency and bioavailability of any colostrum available on the market. And this process also makes it 
tolerable for people who have dairy intolerances? That's another question that people ask me all the time. I don't do well with a lot of dairy and I do just fine with the colostrum. I love the blood orange. It's so good. I drink a scoop a day and I have noticed so many benefits from better digestion, less bloat. My skin has been amazing. My hair has been amazing. And I have not gotten sick this year, which is pretty unusual for me. I usually get something, some kind of cold. Knock on wood, I haven't had anything yet. So I have worked out a special offer for my audience. You can get 15% off your first order when you go to tryarmra.com slash blonde or enter blonde to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash blonde. This past year, I really started focusing on my hair health and my hair growth. And something that I had always overlooked in the past was my scalp. You cannot have healthy hair without a healthy scalp. So I've been using the Vegamore Grow Hair Serum for probably about a year now, and I absolutely love it. This has been a total game changer. So I put this serum on my scalp usually the night before or the day before my hair wash day, but you can actually use it every day because it doesn't make your hair greasy and my hair is just so much thicker, so much shinier, and I have so much new hair growth as well. So Vegamore makes amazing products. They're 100% cruelty-free. They're never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. And really when it comes to seeing results with Vegamore, as with any product, the key is consistency. So like I said, I've made it part of my routine for about a year and I'm just so happy with the way that my hair looks and feels. So I would definitely recommend using for a minimum of three months. You can't tell what your results are going to be if you only use it for a few weeks or a month. But I really felt like around the three month mark, I started seeing visibly fuller, healthier and thicker hair. So with a monthly subscription of Vegamore, it makes it so easy to stay consistent. When you sign up for a monthly subscription, you get a bottle or three bottles, whatever you need sent. Plus you save more and you never run low on the products that you need to take care of your hair. So elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash blonde and use the code blonde at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash blonde code blonde to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash blonde code blonde. Okay. Third one. Yeah. I think we're on third. Yeah. Okay. So problem solving and problem solving, you know, one of the things that I learned from my parents, they would say this to me, this is where the Eastern wisdom would come in. Is this a problem to be solved? or a truth to be accepted. And that was so freeing for me because so often like, you know, being born and raised in the United States, I'm just like, let's do, we can do anything we want. And my parents would be like, great, good for you. Happy, to, happy that you have that. Except where are the obstacles? What mm-hmm. are the challenges? Like, mm-hmm. so, so let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves and not to discourage you from solving your problems, but just to understand that sometimes there's nothing you can solve your way out of. If mm-hmm. someone you love is no longer available to you for any number of reasons, they passed, whatever it is, they broke up with you, they mm-hmm. ghosted you, a friendship that died, right? So like there are some things that are so hard for us to accept that, some, that it, something is no longer and we don't have access to it. So mm-hmm. 
That's the first question. And then when you do try to solve the problem, understand that you're always contending with a battle on two fronts. One is out there in the real world. Mm -hmm. So that's where troubleshooting and looking at the obstacles. And I have like a set of questions that you can ask yourself, a punch list, 25 questions. It could be 10 if you want. But then you're also dealing with the battle in your head. And that's where emotional regulation comes in. Mm -hmm. And there's a technique that I like that is, you know, looking at the triggers, then looking at the negative thoughts. And this is from CBT. And then how do you challenge those negative thoughts? So Mm -hmm. emotional regulation is a big part of problem solving. But then there's also the concrete stuff in the world. Like how do I maneuver? When you want something and you can see your endpoint, you know where you want to be. And you're like, oh, there's a bunch of, it's like an obstacle course that you have to work your way around it. Mm -hmm. And I always believe like if, if you can't, if plan A doesn't work, like the front door, try the back door, try the sound door, try every door. Yes. Same. So the next one is pride. Mm -hmm. And people always think of like pride with like associated with like arrogance and, and it's not, it's really rooted in Mm self-compassion and saying to yourself, where, when I'm beating myself up, where are these shoulds? You, you started out by talking about shoulds. Where do they come from? Because I think mm-hmm. we so willingly accept other people's expectations of us from such a young age. I need, as a woman, need to be young. I need to be thin. I need to be pretty. I, and I need to be productive. And I need to be a good friend. And I need to be a good partner. And I need to prioritize everyone else. They should feel loved by me. I should be charismatic. I should be exciting. And it's like the list of shoulds of what <laughs> women are supposed to be are endless, you know? And then when you have a child, I need to be the best, most self-sacrificial woman, but also be super fit and also make them gluten-free pancakes and bento boxes. And it's like, where do you fit into all of this? Right. Right. And these shoulds will drive us crazy. And there's a saying, Albert Ellis would would talk about like shooting on yourself, like Mm -hmm. shitting on yourself. Mm -hmm. And like he would talk about must and masturbation. It's like enough, (laughs) enough of like the musts and the shoulds and you're driving Mm -hmm. yourself nuts. And I've done that and I've been there and the self-compassion taught me, you're not saying me first, you're saying me too. I deserve at the seat at the table, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and and I will create a seat or ask for someone to help you put one there for you. Mm -hmm. The next one is proficiency. And what I love about this is that our proficiency is our self-efficacy. And it's not, it's great that if you have an ability, but you must also have confidence in your ability. And our confidence in our abilities often predicts success. Interesting. More so than the actual ability. And I'm not telling people to fake it and pretend you have talent when you don't, Mm because eventually you will be found out and it won't be helpful. (laughs) But if you have the ability to then also believe, like they've done experiments where an athlete was told this person is better than you. And meanwhile, they weren't, but they t- were told that you have no chance. And clearly the, the person failed. Mm-hmm. When they were told this person that you're against knows nothing about what they're doing, just the confidence in your ability that I have the chance to beat this person, you were more likely to beat them because you thought so. Wow. So as much as possible, self-efficacy and proficiency is built from doing things yourself. If you mm-hmm. can't, mentorship, live feedback with trusted group of advisors Mm -hmm. to have like a board of trustees in your life that you like Mm -hmm. advisors that you turn to. Uh And then the next one is being present. And when you were talking about monkey mind, (laughs) it's so like literally a a monkey's trying to grasp this branch and that branch. And I use this example of like airport baggage carousel to be aware of other people's baggage, but you never go home with it, right? At the Mm -hmm. airport, you're like, that's an ugly bag. That's a cute bag, (laughs) but you leave them there. So leave the thoughts there. And I love that you you have a meditation practice. 
And that's what practical optimism is. It is a practice and mm-hmm. like learning a language, a yoga, a sport, whatever you might do. The next one and my favorite P is people. I love people. <laughs> and the key here is to go deep and to be emotionally attuned to people. So there's two things. There's three things actually. Developing an aloneness practice and learning to enjoy your own company mm-hmm. is a big part of it and spending time with yourself alone. People hate spending time alone. I've heard you talk about this before and I'm like, I cannot relate. I love being alone. I travel alone. I love I'm that. traveling alone after this. Like I, and people will send me messages and things, you know, strangers always and say, oh, it's so like lonely. Why do you, and I'm like, no, if you don't love your own company first, like, yes. what are you doing? Yes, that's so beautiful. You <laughs> yeah. know, and I feel like the best, the healthiest relationships of whether they're friendships or partnerships are built when we're not escaping mm-hmm. ourselves and we're yeah. not looking to, um, there's a lot of times people will, in some experiments, like they would rather shock themselves, give oh themselves gosh. a small electric shock <laughs> than to sit there alone. Wow. And I know people who will have noise, like a TV or like noise going on in the shower when they sleep at night because mm. they don't want to feel alone. Mm-hmm. So developing an aloneness practice, which it sounds like it comes easy for you, which is something that all of us should really mm-hmm. work towards. The second is the social snacking or micro connections with people. That's mm. also really important because mm-hmm. so many layers of built-in connection exist. Your barista, dog walker, doorman in the building mm-hmm. that they were lost during the pandemic. And I feel like because we're always shopping online, we're not interacting with people as much. So looking mm-hmm. for opportunities to smile, to make eye contact, and to make small talk if needed. Mm-hmm. Then the emotional attunement and meaningful connections, meaningful engagement. And this is going deeper. And I feel like a lot of times this is what's being lost in society is that people are talking, but it's on a very superficial level. What I learned about you today, it was so beautiful, but it's authentic <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's real. And when t- when one person opens up about themselves, it puts the other person at ease. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I can drop my mask and I don't need to maintain my front. And just because now you've shared, you've invited me as a result to feel comfortable with you to share. And Mm -hmm. I feel like whenever appropriate, when it's the right time, the right place to be able to ask, like, I'd like to vent. Is it okay? You know, and then to vent and then the other person for them to listen and to validate and to empathize and to offer support. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to say what I'm hearing is, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you're feeling this way. We don't need to interject. We don't need to give advice unless someone is asking. But we know that people who have active listeners in their life will live four years longer. Wow. (laughs) Interesting. These statistics are so fascinating to me. Like, how did they do these studies, you know? Yes. I mean, they had to have been like decades long. Yes. Yes. And then, and then there's so many tips about how to make, maintain deep friendships. And then the last one is practicing healthy habits. And Mm. this is so fascinating to me because, you know, I did a lot of research on longevity and the medical aspect of optimism and how it's being used as, as an intervention in surgery, in immunology. And it's such a well-kept secret, I think. Mm -hmm. And it should be out there and hopefully it will be after this. And the four M's of mental health, which is something that I practice every day, that it's an easy habit that people can learn and start doing as soon as they listen to this. And it's four mental health habits for exceptional wellness. It's mindfulness, mastery, meaningful engagement, and movement. 
And so 10 to 15 minutes of whatever feels right to you if you want to do more. But I would say try to figure out some way that they can fit in your calendar every day. Mm -hmm. What's an example of mastery? So with mastery, you don't have to be a master to experience mastery. Mm -hmm. And um, in the beginning of January, I was interviewed by the New York Times and they said, we want some tips to get more energy. So they Mm -hmm. called this, it was the New York Times energy challenge, well, the well section. Mm -hmm. And it was a low stakes flow state. And flow is one way to experience mastery when you're Mm -hmm. so immersed in something and you want to get better. And Mm -hmm. so they were like, what do you do? And I'm like, I I try to salsa dance, try the keyword. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel a sense like, am I a master? Hell no. Mm -hmm. Right. But I feel a sense of mastery in that moment because I'm completely lost in what I'm doing in a good way. You're immersed in what you're doing. So for someone, it might be pottery or gardening. Mm -hmm. But the point is that you're doing it for yourself Mm -hmm. and for nobody else. And if Sure. If it turns out that other people are listening and watching, like if I'm giving a talk or I'm on TV or I'm talking to you, like it's something I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. I'm not aware of the time. Mm -hmm. So that's fine if it is going to be visible. Yeah. But as much as possible, do it just for yourself and no one else Mm -hmm. because you want to learn, because you want to get better. There's something really key about the flow state of learning. And it's the sweet spot where you're learning, you're not excellent at it, but you're good enough to keep going. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's also a way to not be on your phone. Yes. <laughs> I feel like that is such a problem now. I mean, talk about not being able to be alone with yourself. And I fall into this habit too, just totally. picking up my phone in any dead space that I have in my day. So I love the idea of like having something. I know pottery is huge right now in LA. I don't know if it's having a moment here too. But What do you uh, like to do for fun? I like playing piano. Nice. Um, Something that like I took lessons when I was younger and, you know, I'm not great, but I can teach myself things just by watching YouTube or just listening to things and kind of playing by ear. That's awesome. So that's something that I love to do. I love playing tennis again, like not great, but it's fun. Good for you. It's really fun. Great. So, and I want to try pottery. I have a friend that does it. <laughs> He's, he got really good. So that's going to be my next That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And you're right because, and if you can do it with a friend even better, because then you're like yeah. checking a couple of boxes off, yes. right? Like you've yeah, got you're meaningful getting, engagement, yeah. meeting people, your mastery, mm-hmm. and there's mindfulness involved. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe if you walk to the class, there's movement involved yeah. or jog. Yeah. I love that. I can do that. I can walk there. So I'm going to awesome, awesome. <laughs> put that into action. Well, thank you so much. It's so fascinating. I can't wait to get your book because thank I you. love just the intersection of like the really sciencey stuff and, you know, the applicable stuff. And it sounds like this is something that we can all incorporate into our lives, but it has the data to back it yes. up. So I think it's amazing what you're doing. It's so fun you. talking to you and tell everybody where they can find you. Thank you. So most active on Instagram. So Dr. Sue Varma and then my website, drsuvarma.com. And you can get the book, Practical Optimism, Art, Science and Practice of Exceptional Wellbeing. <laughs> Anywhere books are sold. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at ariellaurie. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.